0: wounded in a war by a grenade, I've seen a lot. I was unfortunately one of the conscious uh, people that was wounded, therefore I've seen uh, everything that kind of has happened. Um, it was quite a uh, quite shocking time. I'm not sure that I can compare it to anything. It is something that I, I don't wish upon anybody.
1: and gentlemen, and this is Grey Jabesi with another episode of the Grey Ave podcast. Seems like I need coffee. I'm forgetting my own name. I'm doing this at three in the morning, guys, so you're going to have to forgive me uh, when it comes to that. Um, you are listening to the Grey F podcast. If you're just listening to these for the first time, this is a show where I interview those who have skin in the game by that I mean those who are actually out there doing it so that we get to hear the actual micro details of what it takes or what it's taking out there to get things done and another announcement that I wanted to point out is that I'm now open for sponsorship so for those of you who would like to sponsor the gray F podcast uh, please feel free to contact me uh, for my website, greyjabesi.com That's G R E Y J A B E S I.com. There's a contact page there, and then you can message me, and you will be the proud sponsor. And I'll be more than happy to have you. So, today we have another exciting guest, and I really, really had fun recording this podcast. Uh, our guest today is Maya Vujinovic who is an entrepreneur and a technologist. Maya started her career being a Director of Strategy and Corporate Development at Tanex Corporation. From 2010 to 2013, she served as a Senior Investment Officer at Zakem International. In 2013, Maya joined Riverside Advisors on a position of Consultant. From 2015 to 2018, she worked as a Chief Innovation Officer at General Electric digital currently maya is the ceo of O group she is also a co-founder of shios who for some of you in the blockchain space you might be familiar with shios as a block producer for eos and she's also sitting on the board of coindesk and if i'm not wrong i think maya speaks about six languages which is absolutely fantastic So in this episode, we discuss a lot of things from her upbringing, her career, and a little bit of a story. Uh, Obviously, she lived in Africa before, so we talk a little bit about that. And, you know, we talk about Shios, obviously, and the role that she plays uh, being a woman in this uh, industry. And actually, we discuss the inspiration for Eos, which was actually to inspire a lot of women in the space. Um, and we discuss investing in uh, ICOs or blockchain, you know, as um, an, an industry as a whole in the space, and the impact of emerging technologies. And this actually was also one of my favorite part of the uh, of the conversation. She said some something that I yeah, I've never thought of before when I'm thinking about you know how technology is affecting or will impact society as a whole. So I will let you guys enjoy it. Uh, remember. The Grave Podcast is now on um, Spotify, <laughs> so make sure uh, you check it out there. It's easier for you to just now stream it from there or download it. Uh, we have always been on iTunes and any other podcast platforms. And now we're also on YouTube for those of you who want to listen to it there. And for some episodes are in video format. So let's take it back to the beginning again from you know how you got started. I know you said you didn't, I mean you grew up in the United States, but you wasn't born there. You actually had to move there at one point because of the war. Um, Could you just share uh, the beginning of, you know, where Maya actually started?
0: Yeah, happy to. Um, Sure, my parents, um, and we are originally from uh, what today is ex Yugoslavia, and we moved, um, unfortunately, because of the war. I was a refugee as a child, uh, which obviously gives you a, quite an interesting perspective on life and has allowed me to be also very empathetic to different places in the world where I've lived. And as you know, um, one of those continents was Africa. They moved to the U.S. and uh, I grew up between the U.S. and Europe. I went to school on both continents and um, and I live currently in New York.
1: Right. Uh, so, I don't know. If, if if this is too much of a stretch, but uh, what do you remember about the war? I'm interested to know, like how old were you at the time, and what is your, how do you recall it at the moment?
0: Yeah, that's a really you're right. That's a <laughs> that could be a conversation on its own, uh, and we could we could take this conversation in a spiritual way as well, uh, because I have a, I have a strong spiritual side, and I try to. Uh, I remember everything, unfortunately, about the war. Um, I was I was um, in an age that um, obviously gives you a lot of memories. Um, I was uh, wounded in a war by a grenade. I've seen a lot. I was, unfortunately, one of the conscious uh, people that was wounded. Therefore, I've seen uh, everything that kind of has happened. Um, it was quite a quite shocking time. I'm not sure that I can compare it to anything. It is something that I, I don't wish upon anybody, uh, but certainly... It has um, given me so many blessings and building blocks to a lot of things that I've done in the world, uh, the way I've behaved towards other people, the way I have had perspective. And, you know, a lot of times now, Gray, I, I see it in the crypto space where most of my peers have, pe- lots of people in the space have kind of rushed in and uh, treated it as a marathon uh and have had FOMO of all sorts but we really tried to bring in some of my life lessons into this whole thing and and be good along the way and really try to work with people um and leave good traces behind and and um and i think that that experience in itself again i i wouldn't want to wish it upon anybody but it has taught me a lot about life about relationships about building companies about building teams um and really understanding anywhere i go any place in the world i go um I, um, I have a feeling, plus the responses have been such a way that I can very quickly relate to folks, and that is, that is just wonderful to be in that position today.
1: All right. Um, so with that kind of experience, uh, you still managed you know, to go through the radar and to get to where you are today. Um, if, if you look at where you are now. I wonder what you'd consider, what are you most proud of these days with everything that you have accomplished so far before before we get into exactly what you do?
0: (laughs) What I'm proud of is, um, I don't don't, actually, a lot of times I'm very hard on myself and um, I feel like I'm only beginning. And this is some of the self reflection that I've had. And in the Western society, right, the way some folks would define success is by the bank account you know, and the amount of money you have, or by the family you have, or, you know, how well you've traveled and all of these things, and New York is the 14th place in the world I live in. I have seen people and cultures and behaviors really, really been blessed with that. I've also been blessed in, uh, with making money and along the way losing money. i um, not sure those are my proudest moments. I think my proudest moments is to really been able to consciously try to make choices in every reaction that I have. I haven't been the best in all of them, but I've really tried, and I think some of the moments where most people were rushing to do something, be it, you know, in professional, personal life, I've had that ability to say, hey, let's look at it from a different angle. Uh, Let's pause. Let's not be reactive. Um, Maybe specific proudest moment is, you know, turning on an electricity in West Africa when we did a power plant, actually going from a paper MOU to actual functioning power plant that delivers electricity. That is pretty insane. Um, And that's one of my proudest moments um, to say that that really changes people's lives. The second one is... A lot of times in meetings, I'm seen as a truth bearer you know some people might choose to see that as a good or bad i I'm, I don't really care um, i think I think we we need to speak about unspoken and we need to address elephants in the room. Uh, We grow faster uh, and I think this is the fastest way that you see who in the room has an ego who doesn't. And when you meet with people that are just on the same playing field and are willing to have these uh, wonderful conversations that are about creating and impacting, this is where I would say some of those lead to some of my proudest moments.
1: Awesome. Uh, That's a very thoughtful answer. so right now when you go and meet people know wherever you are in the world if you meet someone who does not know who you are how do you introduce yourself
0: that's that i start very simple um i'm not um if anything even today in in crypto i think it's what's fascinating is most people don't know what i've done in the space or what we've done and Again, I'm not really sure. I care. Um, I, I think I'll meet the right people and have the right conversations when it's meant to be. I'm not saying we should just sit and not do anything about it. And not. What's interesting is that we, you know I believe in free will, and so therefore I do think we need to create opportunities for ourselves. But but I'm not talk about my work, right? Nor do I kind of care where. Uh, folk, the way folks are you know, seeing me in a sense, oh am I this important or that important or do I have a big name in the space, I think I just introduce myself with an open smile with openness, that's something that most people will say about me and um, and we go from there
1: <laughs> and when it comes, so let's talk about a conference if you're at the conference where you actually have to introduce yourself because it's much more effective there to make connections sometimes, how do you, do you say you're uh, Maya, from Shios or from
0: <laughs> No, so Shios is something that I really have been uh, helping with and, and I feel passionate about. Uh, these women are incredible and they're doing some incredible work. Um, in a professional sense, um, you know, of course, we have a, an investment firm in Europe and the US. We've been investing in the cryptocurrency space and in the emerging technology space. We've made some VC type of investments and we also have a token economics firm which is basically mostly based on nerdy uh things than just uh, creating white papers we we're, we're definitely never seen we've never been short-sighted like that um and shios absolutely i talk about shios every time i meet people and i see how we could partner with folks in the space because um as you know shios um Um, stands for a much larger vision, which is that we support women in tech, and we want women, younger women in tech, to benefit from some of the things that are happening in the space.
1: Right, and then you have also lived, you have an interesting story with Africa, you have lived here before. Um, You moved when you were quite young, actually, uh, if you come to think about it. So, just share yeah. a little bit of that like what why did you have to move here, and why did you have to leave what <clears throat> what were you doing exactly
0: yeah, sure i uh moved to Africa when i was yeah in my mid twenties and i pe- felt very passionate about telecom explosion that was happening there and the opportunities that there are in Africa in general and about the continent um and and I felt passionate about the intersection of infrastructure and technology and just kind of infrastructure going digital, in a sense. And I saw it really early on. Um, most people didn't see it in a space. Uh, everything from telecom boom, that is, you know, I mean, th- this is how I found out about Bitcoin and why I was interested in Bitcoin, because in places like Latin America and Africa and others, um, you know, where phone is a source of income of some sorts and, and relationship with the outside world, you start to realize the power of a bank versus a bank account in your in your hands and and it, it just fascinated me um, that that suddenly you're looking at a whole population that can be doing things on their own where you don't need banks. Um, and this is where I became very interested in this. Um, why did I leave? I left. It was it was time for me to then focus on some of the things that were going on in blockchain in 2013, very early on. I also wanted to be closer to my family. Uh, it's quite tough. Uh, most people say, oh. You know, Africa is great and refer to it and etc. But, um, you know, I've always challenged people to say, go live there and try to do work there. As you know, great. It's not the easiest place to do work, but there are a lot of exciting things happening on the continent. So it was just time for me to focus on other things as well.
1: Right. So you what what you said you you had a company here. So did you have to sell the company, or you just decided? No,
0: to- I worked. No, I worked for a company. Um, we had a private equity division. We were investing in infrastructure. Um, so um, I just decided that it was my time to focus
1: on other things. That was it. And where did you move after that?
0: <laughs> I went to New York.
1: And uh, is that where you worked for GE after that? So you went yes, straight from I, Africa and then went to and, GE?
0: No, so, so I, I spent a little bit of time helping Noble Bank establish itself. Um, and this is really early, right? 2013, they had the license, um, and going in front of the Fed and various banks at the time to talk about decentralization and cryptocurrency and blockchain was really fascinating in retrospect. But I've been a pioneer in the space and um, so I joined that just to see as an advisor to help them really, Uh, but really quickly realized that if I do want to be in this space, I need to actually go into a large organization, see how technology is creating transparency in the world and how is it changing business models. And, you know, I needed a company that has resources that can help me test a lot of the newbies in the market and a lot of the inventions in the market.
1: Right, and then what, so you thought of Gen, uh, General Electric, uh, did, did you have to uh, contact them to work with you or how did that relationship happen? What, why do you think you, they chose you to work with them as, as head of their <laughs> innovation?
0: Um, I was, I, so I was, a, it came in, in in global strategy first, um, but I, my, my whole idea was to move into tech I've had a relationship with GE for a while, and some of the executives there I met while I was in Africa and Latin America because it was natural, right? They were in infrastructure, and I was in infrastructure. They knew a lot of my work, and and I think um, what's fascinating is companies like GE have been realizing that they, you know, that they a lot of them can't keep up with innovation. I think this is what's happening now in the market, and I think even some of the cutting-edge companies or, or investment firms like VCs are, you know, everybody's looking at how technology will nudge their business models, and they and GE wanted somebody that thinks very differently. Um, and most of these companies will need to do that. I, I firmly believe that, and if they're not already doing it, they will also fall under SAP 500, like GE did. Um, that's, of course, for very different reasons, but... Um, but yes, I, I they contacted me. We had a conversation, and uh, my whole game plan there was to come in um, in the corporate space, but really then move into uh, into emerging tech and do that. Which I then later did, and was a CIO of emerging tech at uh, G Digital.
1: And then you just decided to leave just like that?
0: Um, not just like that um, at, at all. Uh, G actually from the beginning is wasn't something that I saw that. Um, you know is is going to adopt some of the changes that are happening Uh, it was a good platform for me to try to shed light to to some of the executives there to try to say this is exactly what's going to happen to some of your verticals and for me second thing was is is you know something that I need to speak about a little bit more openly that is really happening is I came in um, I'm still at the age to run a business and um, you know in my late 30s but in reality is that some of the folks in there have been there for 15 years and you have the traditional mentality of wait a second you have this younger person coming in you know that's rocking the boat and you know maybe then running a division plus a woman let's be honest Uh, that didn't suit a lot of people Uh, it just didn't because some of those folks have used to on traditional way of running a business and quarterly reportings and you know god forbid try to nudge something that they were doing and try to you know change their minds about something no matter who you met from institutions, large institutions like that, if they've been in in that organization for more than seven to ten years, they're stale, and and we we need that we need uh, fresh blood that will actually change the processes, not just mask the changes, but really try to dig up and stir up the pot and the way that business models are thought about. And I did that, right, and so. Um, my next move would have been something much bigger, which then I saw thought okay if I'm passionate about emerging technology and how it'll we'll impact some of these businesses, you know G was good at some point but but after that um, it's not you know you, you need different platforms and I wanted a freedom to keep investing in in some of the technologies that I,
1: I will change the world well, that is interesting though um, I think I, I was thinking about it the other day about you know about the concept of <laughs> Uh, companies going stale when people stay for a very long time because they develop, you know, a, kind of a, a routine of how things are done or how they should be. But that's it's, it's a little scary um, at the same time because how, how can you make sure that that doesn't happen to you and your companies? Because there's a risk that you know you might also fall into that trap just mm-hmm. like the previous people have.
0: I don't, yeah, know, I don't know if there's a, look- a, is
1: a bullet solution to that.
0: You're 100% right. I, I don't bullet answer. Um, I think it's a combination of things. I, I've always been fascinated with curiosity. Uh, I've always been curious. I We've got to stay curious. We've got to be a, a, a judge of ourselves. We've got to be able to take advice, but not just listen to advice, but really allow people to run with certain things. I know some people might say, well, that's hard. And what if you allow everybody to run with their ideas, wherever we'll get to... Um, you know there's a balance um i do think that the world is changing rapidly and the traditional organizations that were once pillars of middle-class societies like in Japan and Germany and the U.S., you know, when you look at GE and GM and Ford and large, large companies, General Mills and, you know, these were pillars of middle class society in, in America. And and but, but but today, business models are different. We are interconnected. Technology rapid and everybody has access to it or most people do or a lot of people do. Um, and things are going to change and 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 how can one sit there and say well our processes can't change it's the same argument that most people apply to say look internet has changed the way we disseminate information right but our transfer of value is still from 1990s right and so we still need that bank we still need 15 intermediaries we still need all of this it's the same thing in companies right our needs have changed our resources have changed but yet the way we delivered those needs and products and services has a lot of times stayed the same and stayed the same and so I think I, 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 I'm a firm believer that this, um, this will really nudge every single company and I think we have got to change these processes um, uh, and I, I'm, uh, I speak a lot about this uh, those are the hardest things to change because it's culture but it is the thing that will make you or break you
1: Right, and let's get into cryptocurrency a little bit. I mean, how did you ended up getting into it? And at what point did you decide that, okay, you know, this, I'm going to go all in on this as a full-time thing and to leave all of the responsibilities that you had with General Electric and the other projects that you had?
0: Yeah, so I mentioned it briefly earlier. I'll do that quickly. It's 2011, I had a white paper it was given to me, Uh, I invested in Bitcoin and then in 2013 when I came back to the US I met a number of people that were mining and I thought wow this is different, Uh, this is very different than what I'm used to and um, this is something that I've never seen before I became very curious again we'll go back to curiosity, I sat down and started learning and reading and surrounding myself with people that are smarter than me and that's when I decided that if if this technology, which by the way is nothing new, parts of it are new, but it's been in existence for a while, blockchain, Um, you know, how is, which, what are the tools today that exist today that did not exist in 80s and 90s that will enable this to go anywhere, right? Um, And and that's when I started kind of uh, putting myself in places that would allow me to learn more about that and decided that I will make this my career when I was a GE. And I think the turning point for me There were many, there were many, but I'd say one of them is when I created this wallet on a machine, we loaded it up with tokens and uh, we allow the machine to order a part on its own through a smart contract and pay on its own. And that's when I just said, this is, this is a game changer. This is crazy. This will change some of the financial institutions that we have. This will change some of the accounting we have. This will change some of the LP agreements we have. This will change many things. So that, if that answers
1: your question. Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, and from what you know, looking at the time that you entered into it, I suppose, you know, you were a little more optimistic, of course. Uh, I wonder what did you think about, say, the next five years, did you, is what it is now in the cryptocurrency market uh, exactly what you thought it would be by this time, or you thought it would be better, or you thought maybe it went a little too fast?
0: hmm that's a very good question and I can break break it in a few different parts but um, did it go too fast I'm not sure I'm not sure that I'm the best judge of that I do think that the greed has taken over some of this community this community has not self-regulated as well as should have Um, and this community is still not self-regulating as well as should have and therefore I do believe that some kind of you know call it regulation rules a uh, set of behavioral rules and and ethics that need to be established by people in this community with within this community outside of this community whatever it is um, and so you know I think I think that's kind of the 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 comment that I would. Because it's such a broad question, so I don't know if you have a specific question you want to ask around that But that's kind of how I would I would address that
1: So I asked that because you kind of touched on it at one point at the beginning Maybe before we started recording But what is your your general overview and how do you feel about this um, This industry
0: Um, Look, I feel good about potentials of this technology Look, Bitcoin works There's anybody out there that tell you it doesn't work. uh, I think hasn't really studied it. It works, but it works in its limited capacity. Does it have to be grown and built in a more sustainable way? Absolutely. Um, Is it a scary place for a lot of traditional institutions when they look at this? Absolutely. This is math, and it absolutely works. Um, So I think um, it's... It's an interesting time for the community uh, and there needs to be a lot of conversations around how we developed, but, but there's no doubt that the concept of smart contracts, not maybe, you know, for what we've seen it now, just to build ERC tokens or for crypto kitties, although that has its purpose, right? Um, but, but they do have a huge potential. And a lot of this stuff on, on Wall Street and a lot of the things in IoT will be automated. And it will be some kind of a form of a smart contract and cryptocurrency or uh, cryptography, um, you know, z- zero knowledge proofs. You know, I, I think it's cleaning itself at the moment. It's fine. Um, certain forms of it might die, um, but certain other forms will, uh, will succeed.
1: Right. Um, so in a sense, you have been working um, for a very long time in technology, you know, you're, everybody by just listening to your your, your talks or interviews, can, they can tell how smart you are. But how, did you ever had to deal with uh, the challenge, uh, the challenge of being a woman in tech? Because I hear from a lot of people that you know uh, they perceive technology as a as a male dominant, a male dominated industry.
0: Um it, did you ever have to deal with any of that? Look, um yes, uh, it is it is it is rampant. Um it's rampant in such subtle ways that it's hard to argue with it and it's really sad uh, because some of these guys have daughters and will have daughters and you know have wives and it's really sad how we haven't reached that level of consciousness to behave in a certain way uh, there are a number of women in this space who are very smart who uh, who understand the technology who come from a tech background and there are a number of people out there and, and guys who have no clue and they pretend they do and um and that's it's it's a fact it's not just this industry it's a lot of industries but i i also am very surprised at some of my guy friends who have turned around and said you know what you're so right and we are going to you know include you in the deals and share and and open and um i think it's just sometimes it's biological you know men don't necessarily understand how to talk to a woman that's also investing they kind of just maybe just see a woman in a different way um i can't comment on these things i just know that it is rampant it is happening but i also see a lot of men changing i really do and i would lie if i didn't say otherwise i don't think that we have reached that level of consciousness where um, you know, I'm on a board of CoinDesk, and this is something that I have brought up in some of the meetings, or have brought up subtly. That you know, there are some of the speakers on there. When you look, I, it, I shouldn't be the judge. Anybody out there can look at it and say the amount of speakers you bring in that are men that I have no idea about this industry, and yet there are women out there who you have not invited to speak on some of the big conferences that they put out it's 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 really shameful um, so so I have no problem saying this because this is ultimate truth and anybody that wants to take it one-on-one with me should uh, should come out publicly and do it um, that this is why we are supporting this there's a there is a bigger issue here at play we are designing systems of the future and we're not including minorities and women so what kind of world do we expect to live in and this is a question that I think is a very serious one. We're designing AI tools, machine learning tools, VR tools, blockchain tools, uh, that come from a predisposed um, mindsets that we, and, and subconscious thought that we can't control and are designed by white men. Um, and you know, some might say, I don't care, this is, or I'm not biased, and I will make sure I include it. Uh, you don't know, you're limited in your thinking. And if you think you know it all, then, Maybe probably you shouldn't be designing it in the first place. So I'll kind of leave it at that because I do think those are provoking thoughts.
1: Right. But did you ever, for example, deal with anything specific, or most of it, it's uh, it's systematic?
0: Um. Yeah, I've had some instances where it was uh, specific, but um, I also, you know, I also don't take it personal. I show up with my experience. I don't show up because I'm a woman. I show up cause, with my experience. And maybe I haven't had as much discrimination, maybe as other women, because I do have tangible experience that is in corporate world, in private equity world, in investment world, in tech world. Um, and therefore, I haven't had some, some, some things. But, um, but I think it's more systematic in my case um, than anything else
1: all right i I had a podcast i think on episode 92 i had an interview with joy wallamune from um from i think women of code Uh, it's called so he i mean she actually figured out a way to detect flaws in ai because the data sets that are provided usually are biased simply because of the people who are designed them you know so the least amount of uh, minorities and women are, are involved the more flowed that the AI was in terms of you know f- um, face detection technology and stuff like that. So it's really aligned to what you're saying now, you know, if you don't include others and then it makes the Absolutely. tech kind of wacky. Jumping into investing quickly here uh, in the cryptocurrency market, from what you have noticed now with this crust that we just had a couple of for the last week. How does one come in this space and invest in anything? Because it, it actually bothers me as well in terms of it's, we have a lot of tokens, you know, or assets, so they, we can call them, but very little of it works. The, you know, the, the companies or the protocols uh, backing those tokens don't <clears throat> work. So uh, how do you value these assets at the moment when you're trying to invest?
0: Yeah, that's a that's a very good question. Um I'm not sure that uh, again, um some of the smartest people out there in investing, you know, um guys looking at ball and uh, people that are actually thoughtful in the space um sure that they have a one bullet answer either. I don't either. Um, I, I think it's been very schizophrenic and I use that word very loosely in in our world today and going forward because we are entering a market that's schizophrenic. Um, and we have been and I think the space has shown us that. I... I um, not allowed to give, you know, investment advice and this is not an investment advice. I think the way we just we've been looking at it is we really look at deeply in what that entrepreneur and group of people are trying to disrupt. Is there a need in the market that they're trying to disrupt? Is there a need in the market they're trying to create? And does their protocol work? What is the potential? And how will they even if there's potential, how will they integrate into let's say, I don't know, if you're doing supply chain or IOT or whatever, how will you actually integrate in the existing channels of businesses, you know, of the of, of, of our world today? And it's not just about technology. It really isn't. It's not just about the functionality of that token. It's about a strong utility of that token um, and, and does it have a place in a society or within that group of people or within that network? So I don't there's no one answer, right? There isn't something that we can say, oh, you know, these types of tokens only work. And and by the way, on volumes, you're right, none of this works at the moment. Um, But again, you look at very carefully how that company is either solving some kind of a problem through technology that then you can um, expand or how the company that already has a solution is going to go to a market and capture a market. And where is that tech at which stage, right? So I look at we look at everything very deeply.
1: Right. So with what you have invested in o group, do you guys have like categories? That say, you know, in the medical space, this is what we're going to invest in. in free <clears> take this. is What you're investing in, or are you just going with what you think is are the best projects? And also, what do you think about like um, then the uh, the token prices? Is it, yeah. So, what so, are those? So think, what are those pegged to? Like, what? What's the reference <laughs> point?
0: <laughs> yeah, um, it's hard, right? Um, I think what we even I make sure is also that I get opinion of people that are in those in particular business verticals. So we don't have specific verticals we invest in. Uh, we have looked at things in healthcare and in gaming and financial industry and a lot of different things. We've been very opportunistic. What do I think of token prices? look, a lot of these token prices were inflated to begin with. I'm not sure who sees it otherwise. I, I think you must be crazy or really not know what you're talking about to really look look at this space from the beginning and assume that this is going to stay this way. Um, I remember telling my business partner in December when prices were really high, he said, no, we have to raise an outside fund and this is what we have to do. And I said, no, this is not going many places in the next couple of months. It's not sustainable. Why? I... And it's not, I'm the you know smartest person out there, is I had the hands-on experience to see how tokens move through uh, a chain while I was at GE. And it was really hard for me to understand that this is actually possible on a large scale or in this year or next two years, right? So I had a deeper understanding.
1: And then where, uh, so in terms of where it's going now, looking at the, I know the, that the, the crash of the market in terms of prices, doesn't necessarily ex, um, affect the you know the people that are building the technology, but generally now, what do you think this is gonna go?
0: Um, where it's gonna go? I mean, I've said it earlier publicly that we're going to have you know seventy to ninety percent of this disappear in some shape or form, or it will you know metamorphosize itself into something else. Um, That's one. I still believe that way. I think that a lot of projects are extremely strapped for cash. I think some of the projects have really smart people. Uh, and really, really cool ideas, but um, in in you, you need a lot more than that to actually do something in the market. And if you think that your tech is best in the world and you've got you know the best entrepreneurs and you've got your advisors that you're not using at all, um, you're you're not building the business in the right way. Um, so I think that a lot of the projects won't go many places. Um, I do think that obviously as i said parts of technology will go uh far because because it just has a great capability and i think it will affect you know data it will affect privacy It will affect our financial institutions it will affect the way we bank um it will affect the retail market uh, maybe some places more some less just depends on and it also depends on regulation too
1: Right, so uh, I think we we have, pass, we have passed we the time that uh, we agreed on in terms of your timing. So I don't want to waste too much of your time. But um, to the average woman out there, you know, who is trying to make it in the tech industry or in any other STEM environment, um, how can some of the people out there who have a problem with, you know, uh, who have challenges being in the male dominated industries what what's kind of advice that you can give them uh, that they can use to get over uh, any other obstacles that they have or any other challenges that they have to deal with on an everyday basis (laughs)
0: Um, I think um, look um, connect yourself I ask ask
1: that question because you don't seem to have that problem you know from uh, how you speak yeah. you know you just talk about the take or the business that's all from what i've here what i've heard from what i hear anyway uh, from a lot of women i think the you most women when they're talking at events sometimes even it seems like they have to to remind themselves that oh i'm a woman speaking kind of thing you know what i'm saying
0: yes um look um it's it's a tough subject. Uh, I I really um, there is a systematic um, discrimination. Uh, it, I see it in deals. I see it. I'll bring this one deal. I'll I'll discuss a deal, but you know, if it's my business partner discussing, you know, same thing. And we've tested it. He's an amazing guy. We've tested it, uh, and it's amazing how things will just open up to him and uh folks won't do the same thing with me um it, it's it's there it's present and i and i think the faster we accept that the faster we move on um there's no future without including everybody in a society um or it's a really grim one and uh, that's a second fact and a third fact is um that I don't show up as a woman. I have never been thought that way. I come from a family of, um, of a mother who's, uh, who didn't have to work, but she worked, and she now has two little side gigs in addition to her job, and they're uh, entrepreneurial. Um, and so I never saw it as I'm, I'm, I'm here because I'm a woman. Actually, never quite opposite. Um, I was never regarded that way. I never really thought about it. It's not part of my psyche. And I think the advice I would give to a lot of women is show up with your experience and the value that you contribute during that meeting to that team, to the business, to the country, whatever you're doing, you're showing up because of some value you're bringing. And I'd say call it out. Have conversations, really call it out. I've called out some folks in the space and I don't agree with some of my women in the space who've said, I'm boycotting that conference and I'm not going there because it's all men. Um, I went and and what I did at those conferences is have very frank discussions with my peers and said, look, this is not cool. This is who it's on panels. This is who's talking about this. Um, Look at this, you haven't even tried. Have you tried to call any women? And the answer was no. We didn't even think about it. We just go and call people that we see visually are out there, right? They don't even think about it sometimes. Right, that's a very deep
1: problem, that's deep.
0: Yeah, they don't even think about it. And so I don't blame them a lot of times. Okay, whoever is most out there, loudest people pick, is that the right strategy to go about things? Probably not. But it's what people do in stressful situations where they're trying to put an event together. And so I think, you know, I um, I say to those folks is really be conscious about it. Actually, when you're creating an event, think about what you can do. Don't just create it because this is the easy way. Don't take the, you know, road less traveled. Um, really try to do your part in the society. And that has to change. And, wow. and, I, and I'm not afraid to have those discussions. I think a lot of women are afraid of being confrontational. Men appreciate it because I think men in business are just generally more confrontational than women are. Um, I don't shy away from these hard discussions because they shouldn't be hard. They should just be as a matter of fact and we should deal with it as a business um, case, not an emotional type of conversation. It is a it is a business solution. We need to be more conscious, full stop.
1: Right. That's, that's a very interesting point you, you, you raised there. So in your work experience, have you ever come off as uh, some kind of a cocky or very hard a woman just because you know people aren't expecting you to are uh, more mostly yes. probably expecting you to be more agreeable
0: Yes, 100% or just to listen, but those times are gone We're past that
1: hundred percent Great. Yeah. I think we can end it here. I don't want to we can talk forever, but I don't want to
0: <laughs> Steal sure. too much
1: of your time. Is there anything else sure. you want to share?
0: No, I think this is great. Uh, thank you very much for uh, for this. It's been a pleasure uh, sharing this, and I'm here to answer any questions.
1: Awesome. Hello once again, and that was the end of our conversation. And just before you go, just want to communicate a few things with you. Uh, quickly, if you have... Uh, enjoyed any of the podcasts or this specific podcast episode i would appreciate it if you share it with your friends and family through your social media twitter facebook etc etc as well as write me a five-star review on itunes or apple podcast app that would be fantastic it helps me flourish and sustain this podcast as well now we also on other platforms like soundcloud stitcher radio um and all other major podcast platforms. So whichever way you're listening to it, I would appreciate it if you leave me a review. You can also subscribe to The Grave Podcast through my website, greyjabesi.com, G-R-E-Y-J-A-B-E-S-I.com. There you also find some of the blogs that I'm writing sometimes and you get notified as soon as the new episode has been published. Until next time, enjoy and be productive.